0: Welcome to the show today. Hello wonderful friends. Welcome to another energizing episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout. Today we're diving into the world of navigating career shifts as a late identified ADHD and autistic humans and the exciting journey of unveiling joyful work. I'm thrilled to introduce our incredible guest, Shell Mendelson, an ADHD career coach who knows firsthand the power of embracing powerful work environments, and purposeful work environments. During this episode, we'll explore key insights into decoding job satisfaction. Is it just me, burnout, or the job? Understanding burnout's impact on how passionate we do or don't feel about our work, and discovering how to create a work life that resonates with your strengths, needs, and sensory profile. Stay tuned for an enlightening conversation that promises to empower and guide you towards a path of career restoration and fulfillment. Let's begin this transformative journey together. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by inspiring guests as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on your journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. Well, we have quite the... packed show for you today. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to get started. Let's see what we've got here. I have all kinds of amazing things planned for us. So let's kind of get going with some of the fun stuff. So tomorrow is August 23rd and it is Women's Equity Day. So just a little heads up if you are planning some posting or contents or articles, tomorrow is indeed Women's Equity Day. So here's some stats as we're going into this conversation around career. Only 14% of Americans believe they have a great job and would not change it. That's pretty slim, folks. 70% of all working age people are actively looking for a job change right now. Are you part of that 70%? I don't know. There's a bunch of us. There's a conversation that happens a lot. And Shell and I are going to dive into some juicy goodness on this topic today. So what percentage of people make a career change? A recent poll found that approximately half or 52% of American employees are considering making a career change this year. 44% are already planning to make the switch. Are you one of those folks? Are you planning to make a switch? You know, in late identified life, this is something that comes up and it's a common conversation that I have with my coaching clients in the unveiling method. And it's now that I know I'm autistic, now that I know I'm ADHD, I'm learning more about my needs. I'm learning more about my sensory profile. And I'm discovering that one of the main contributing factors of burnout is perhaps the environment in which I work or the industry in which I work. And another element that shows up a lot, specifically in ADHD and autistic professionals who are late identified is For some of us, me included in this, we have a resume or a CV that looks like it might be several different people because we've been in several different industries and different careers within our lifetime. And it can look very different from a traditional, I started in this particular path and, you know, I've moved in this particular direction in a linear trajectory. (laughs) I don't know that I do anything in a linear trajectory, (laughs) to be honest, So I've got some great resources to kind of kick us off as we're starting this conversation today. So in a recent Markets Insider Business article, my good friend Kira Day, who is the CEO and founder of the Passion Center, and she has been a passionate passion researcher for quite a long time now. The article is called Stress is Not the True Villain of Working Life. It's the passion health gap, says the Passion Center. So a quote from Kira was, according to the Passion Center, the real enemy within the workplace is the lack of passion, which is a driver of disengagement. And I do kind of want to touch on on burnout and how that can show up differently in different individuals and can be perceived as something that it may not be that can often lead to some challenges within our career as well. So I've got the links down there to check that out. And there was another fantastic article that's out this week on LinkedIn by Farah Harris, who is wonderful. She talks all about emotional intelligence and emotional health. And is it worth it when saying no is the right decision. And I think a lot of us through, and I know for myself that in my journey of career changes throughout my life is, you know, maybe I hit a burnout that was so bad. And for me, a lot of times I was thinking it was the job and sometimes it was, but I think in retrospect, I also see that there were things that I didn't know. Um, there were different management awarenesses within myself, but a lot of times it can be really scary Especially if you're an entrepreneur and you've got a lot of opportunities coming and you have a bit maybe of a scarcity or a FOMO, fear of missing out, and you say, I don't want to miss out, so I want to say yes. And then there's the other element of people pleasing for a lot of us, um, reforming people pleaser right here. And so we don't say no. And one of the most powerful questions that I was ever given from a mentor after my late identification was... I said yes a lot. I didn't say no because it didn't feel safe to say no. And I think when we're looking at career changes, it's also it didn't feel it doesn't feel safe to say to say yes. (laughs) And it doesn't feel safe to say no. We feel like we're kind of stuck because we chose this and there really isn't another option. And Shell's going to be bringing some interesting conversation and information around this, but it's such a, it's such a place that I, I have experienced and I hear people relaying the same experience to me. And it's like, I, how can And my mentor said to me, Carol Jean, how can someone trust your yes? If they never hear you say no. I'm going to let that sit for a minute. How can they trust your yes if they never hear you say no? And I had to turn that internally as well because there's a big trust factor within our own experience as late identified people. And and I know that for myself, I didn't trust myself because things had said along the way that my judgment wasn't as quote unquote good as everybody else's when actually it was pretty accurate. And when we're thinking about career changing, we really are also tapping into what is our gut telling us? What is our intuition, our higher knowing telling us? And sometimes we're also competing with those conflicting beliefs that we have around saying yes and no and the safety of that. So go check out that article by Farah Harris and the links are down in the show notes for all of these things. And there's one more thing I would love to share with you. I was, I was prolifically reading everyone's things today. I don't always get a chance to do that. But in a recent LinkedIn post by my dear friend, Hal Eisenberg, who is the CEO of the Eisenberg Leadership Academy, and he is a powerhouse and a thought leader in the education, in, in the education sphere, guys. And in this post, he said, imagine if, imagine if we challenged our assumptions Imagine if we embraced failure as part of the process. Imagine if we honored the process of self-discovery. Imagine if we viewed diversity as strength. Imagine if we recognized that curiosity is the driving force of learning. There are so many other what ifs and imagine ifs in this article. It will do your heart good. Go check it out. Hal is an incredible spark in the world. And I just adore him. He's also part of the Passion Center. And if you can join us on Wednesday nights over on the Passion Break, please do. It is a 30-minute powerful conversation. Guys, we are kicking off our new segment that starts next week with Brian Coletto, and our segment is called Networking with Brian Coletto. This is a new segment that we are kicking off, and Brian is a phenomenal correspondent, and he has joined Beyond Autistic Burnout team here at the talk show. So be sure to tune in next week for that new segment. We're going to be peeking at all of the places that Brian has been this month. And he's also going to be giving us some inside tips on how he's navigating networking as an autistic professional. And Another highlight is we take more of the rooms in our XXO Connect, because when we are talking about burnout, we are talking about consistent and chronic unmet needs. And those needs are not always what you think. It may not be food, shelter, and water. It could be belonging, connection, and authenticity. And in XXO, we are wired for connection. And I want to highlight one of the rooms that is hosted on Tuesdays. And this is my good friend, Tori McDowell. She is ADHD and autistic and her room is confronting your inner critic. Tori is a phenomenal life coach for late-identified humans, and she has co-occurring health conditions that she also shares on TikTok, her journey, and she's just a wonderful human being. And Eva and I were in the room with her today having phenomenal conversations. So XXO is a place for minds of all kinds to find connection, community, and belonging together. So please join us. The link's down in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. All right, let's move into today's conversation. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome our guest today, the remarkable ADHD career coach, advocate and author, Shell Mendelson. Get ready for an insightful conversation on navigating career shifts as ADHD autistic humans and the path to unveiling joyful work. So let's dive in and welcome Shell to the stage with me here today. Shell,
1: welcome to the show. Hey, so great to be here, Carol. So great.
0: I'm, I am super excited for this conversation. You and I have really had an opportunity and a chance to get to know each other over the last few mm-hmm. months. And we have had some humdinger, fantastic, <laughs> really sparking conversations around careers, have we not, Shel?
1: We sure have. <laughs> it always, it always kind of gets the juices going, you know, once you start Navigating all that stuff and diving into it—it's just kind of for me. It's an endless kind of conversation I could have forever. Seriously, oh, I probably too. could. I probably could spend hours talking about it and bore the hell out of everyone <laughs> while I was doing it. But
0: yeah, oh, no, I'm. Okay. I,
1: to me, it is just uh, so many people need to hear this information. So many people are kind of starving to figure figure it out. And I have been so blessed to be so happy doing this work, which is what has always driven me, always driven me. Hey, Lynn. Oh, my gosh, Lynn. I love it. <laughs> hey. uh, oh, we gotta can I say hi to it? the people hey. that
0: are coming up? <laughs> yeah, Brian's in the room. Hey, Brian, our, our correspondent. Hi, Brian. Oh my goodness. We got a great, we got a great group hopping in. So you guys let us know in the comments, where are you joining us from today? If you have any big burning career questions for Shell and I to dive into that you want to add to the conversation, please add those to the chat box. This is not a conversation at you, my friends. This is a conversation with you. So we're inviting you to join us in this today. So Shell and I have a couple of things that we kind of wanted to talk about and make sure that we highlighted, but we also just want to bring in what it is that matters to you. What is important to you? So Shel, as I was kind of talking about some of those stats and some of the the things that I was finding that people were saying, you know, Hey, 52% of folks
1: are are looking for another job. 70% are actively looking. I mean, 14% are happy happy in their work. (laughs) I mean, for only 14% are happy. The other, what is it? percentage uh, the other 7 yeah the, uh, the other <laughs> i don't do math in my head we're but it's
0: really percent 76% there we go <laughs> yeah
1: the other the other 76% in the world generally because it's a global thing are unhappy and that's pretty pitiful that's so sad to me it's so sad let's fix that let's find a way to fix that well, that's that's been my work. My lifelong work is to, is to help people as many people as possible. Just know that there are other possibilities. There are ways to move out of that. Um, yeah, uh, there space. are so there's one
0: really, yeah, sorry. There was one really big thing that I wanted to bring up. So last week, uh, Oliver Fangauer from, um, advanced the disability consultants and I hosted a lunch and learn event on Thursday and Friday and we had a great group we had a big global international group show up for both of these we had people from Norway we had people from all over the UK all over the United States Canada you name it we had all kinds of folks joining us because we were talking about managing ADHD autistic burnout at work and one of the things that that I talked about and this was One of the highlights that I said, you know, hey, what was your biggest takeaway from the lunch and learn experience that you had? And this was the big one that kept coming up for people. So I really want to share this today because I I think it ties into a lot of what we're talking about right now, Shell, and that Mm -hmm. is. When we are in our job and we're losing, you know, kind of what Kira's talking about is our passion health, and you talk about passion and how we're going to start looking at that, we have to define, well, what does passion mean for us? How does it feel? How do we experience that? Um, And when we hit burnout, for a multitude of reasons, those contributing factors always go back to chronic and consistent unmet needs and unmet sensory profile needs, because all of us, doesn't matter what our neurotype is. We have a sensory profile that gets impacted. And when we are in burnout for a lot of us, especially if you're in a spicy pepper level three, four or five on my spicy pepper burnout scale, you are probably only being able to show up and do exactly what the minimum requirement is for work, especially if you're in a a ghost pepper level five, or if you're in a habanero level four and what, People were saying stood out for them in that conversation last week is I was pointing out that quiet quitting can be misidentified for someone who may be in burnout. And what is interesting is that those who have been identified or labeled as quiet quitting, 30% of managers reported quiet firing those they perceive to be quiet quitting in return. And I think that when we're talking about our passion health, when we're talking about career changes, when we're talking about, you know, late identification, and all of a sudden we're going, holy cow, I don't know that this is really the job for me now that I'm getting to know me better. And mm-hmm. Shel, you've got some wonderful ways on how to start the conversation, because people come to you and they say, I'm unhappy in my career.
1: What right. do I do? Where right. do we start, Shell?" Where do we start? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I like to take the term passion and kind of make it turn it around a little bit. So it's because sometimes people feel like, oh my gosh, how am I going to sustain passion all the time? So rather than think of it as something that has to be there consistently day in and day out, think of it as sustainable attraction and interest in your work. Something that is sustainable and you're Consistently attracted to it, and you're consistently interested in it, which means you want to f- feel you want to feel like it's something that is expansive, uh, something you can grow with, something you can learn about on a continuous basis, uh, ways that you can branch out and do different things with it. Our brains want to go in different places, and we start moving in those directions. And I'll tell you about the image I use of the tree trunk for the foundation of your work and the branches being where our where our brain wiring wants to go when we're ready to make a move of some kind. Right. So um, that is the first thing that I want to say is that passion, thinking that you've got to be passionate all the time can be a little bit overwhelming for some people like, oh, my gosh, I can't do that every day. I can't do that for eight hours, 10 hours or whatever it is that I work, but I know that I'm interested enough in this work that I can sustain that for a long time. I mean, I probably couldn't do this work eight hours a day, every day, you know, so that means that when we're talking about things like the conditions that we need to work in and we can get into that at some point. Um, I think it's really important to have that conversation about what are the conditions that we need to not only prevent burnout, but to, and you mentioned, what was it? The, um, I love that term sensory uh, profile. profile. Yeah. I love the sensory profile. I've never heard that term and I love it and I'm going to steal it. Go for it. I have,
0: I have a specific sensory profile assessment to create your sensory profile blueprint because your sensory profile yeah. changes in burnout and it, it fluctuates. Yeah. Um, and it, you got to really know that. And when you're talking about your working environment, that's a really big component. And I love
1: that you, you talk yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, well, that's when we, I talk about working conditions, which is, which spans both the physical and non-physical, which I get very much into detail. About and and I have the people I work with get into a great deal of detail so that you're almost creating uh, your own what I call self-accommodation plan so that you know before you move into something else or even while you're in it uh, what it is that you need in great detail. And then you can parse it out and have the conversation with your employer or in the interview you can say, when I have these conditions, I am going to be the best employee ever. You will find that I will be the most productive, I will be maintain interest in what I'm doing, maintain focus in what I'm doing. All of the things that you're looking for are going to be there when I have these conditions, right? And you you can kind of read the room and figure out what the condition what when it's okay to sort of have that conversation. And you can also gauge how they're responding to you. Uh, in terms of whether or not you want to even take a job if you're in an interview and they respond negatively or they don't respond at all or there's this big hesitation and a little bit of eye-rolling maybe. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it, with, with your employer, if you don't get any kind of a response from your employer. I always like to say you you had kind of touched on this that it's not you It's if you're really dissatisfied in your work and you're dreading getting up in the morning and you're dreading being there and you're having all kinds of issues or things happen, which tends to happen when you don't like your work at some point. You can, a lot of people can fake it for a while, but then at some point it starts seeping through.
0: (laughs) There's no way you can. Boy, does it. And then all of a sudden it isn't just seeping through. It's like the dam breaks. I remember I was working in the legal field. And I had a job that I absolutely loved it. I loved what I was doing, Mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily love the individual in which I was working. (laughs) And that created an environment where I woke up and I was, I didn't recognize until I resigned from the job and was away for about a week, the physical weight that I was carrying Mm -hmm. And I don't know that we always, because I have alexithymia as well. So I I don't know that a lot of us, even with different processing speeds and, and different, you know, awarenesses around what we're feeling, when we're in a job shell, is this something that you kind of have a conversation around? I didn't feel until I got the contrast when I resigned, how draining that
1: job was. Right. Exactly. Well, I always like to say that when you're making, you know, the right decision about the next move, career move, uh, that's right for you as an ADHD or autistic individual, that you really need to check in with your feelings. It's a feelings process that all along the way you need to start noticing how you're feeling in any given situation. And uh, to what extent it's creating like a dynamic where you can't get the work done or you're, you're just, you know, stuck or you're making mistakes or you're looking at the clock. Like when the heck am I going to get out of here? Right? Um, so it's really important to notice how you're feeling. Feelings are everything, everything. For us, and they for us. show up and they don't go away unless you deal with they don't go away. Yeah.
0: No, they don't. So, you know, we had some really good questions and we had a question that came up and it's come up a couple of different times mm-hmm. um, in some of our community groups and in, in mind your autistic brain. And a lot of people are wondering, you know, is it my job that's causing burnout in me to feel like I don't want to be in this job anymore because I remember maybe when I started, I was I was passionate or interested in, in what I was doing, but now I'm not. Mm-hmm. Is it also maybe, is it just me and I'm growing and changing, you know, when I start to feel these things and then it's also kind of like, well, what's the first step when I start to have these feelings and I'm starting to see, and I'm not really sure how to pick through this, where do I start? I just know that this isn't working.
1: Well, I mean, having a roadmap helps, which is what I help. You know, once they've created that, you can actually look on it and see the people I'm working with aren't matching up with this. You mentioned, uh, (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned um, that the you, you enjoyed your work, but the person you were working with was not the person you wanted to work with. What were those characteristics? What were the characteristics of that person? Because that can make or break whether or not you're going to be okay in that work. And when you're working for somebody else, keep in mind, when you're working for somebody else, you're always going to be subject to changes in, uh, employees shifts in even where you sit shifts in your environment because you don't have as much control or any control of that so that's the whole thing that's why a lot of people with ADHD at least like to work on their own or eventually find that they want to do their own thing and figure out how to do that That's that's not uncommon it is. And you know, Michelle, one of the things, and I, I think this is something you and I've talked about before too,
0: and it's sometimes it's the career or the industry is a fit, but it yeah. might be that where you are isn't. So for yeah. me, looking back on that particular job, it was a solo practitioner and by essence, you know, as my friend Tracy Borson is always talking about our personal brand, his personal mm-hmm. brand was that, it, it with pillars that didn't align with mine, right? They were different values, different values. Exactly. And that can be a really big part mm-hmm. of, I think sometimes we feel like, Oh my gosh, maybe I'm just in the wrong job, but maybe it's just the wrong place.
1: Well, when you have the whole picture of what it is that you want, col- the culture of the kind of work that you want to, or employer or the company or the people or whoever, that culture is really important. And defining what that is for yourself, what is the one that is going to help you be your best self, be the most productive, be who you want to be and feel good in what you're doing, is always going to um, come, it's going to come back to bite you if it's the wrong culture, if it's the wrong fit. Uh, So understanding that can mean, okay, maybe it's time to move out of this situation and start looking for something that's a better fit for me. So it's always... a finding the, the fit, the thing that fits you the most. It's not, it's not you. It's the actual job you're in and whether or not it matches up with what your needs are, which can be very nuanced, but need to be in great detail, need to be listed out and something that you can visually see, visually compare, sift and sort opportunities with and, and be a Excuse me, and be able to say yes. This is a good fit. This isn't a good fit. And maybe it's time to leave. Maybe I need to make some shifts. Maybe I can talk to the people I work with, even coworkers, to see if there's a better way uh, to handle certain situations. Maybe, maybe switch job tasks or something like that. I mean, when I talk about the physical and the non-physical conditions, it really gets to be. Oh my gosh, everybody's calling me now. Um, it really gets to be. Um, uh very very specific and detailed and nuanced right yeah so, so those uh, are
0: some of the the things that may come up if you're staying within your industry and shifting to start looking at what would you say are some of the biggest challenges faced if you are changing to a whole new field or industry? what if you decide this really isn't, my bucket, this is not my playground. I want a different sandbox altogether.
1: That's actually a very exciting place to be. Um, Because when you know that, then you start knowing that what, you start asking yourself, what is it that I need to get there? What do I need to do? What kind of training do I need to get? Um, Do I need to like go back to school? And if I do, what kind of school do I have to go to college? Is there a way to do it besides going to college? other than going to college? Um, Are there internships I can apply for? Are there uh, certifications I can get? Uh, There's so many different options out there for getting the kind of training. But when you talk to people who are in the field, which is part of what I insist on folks doing, which is that old informational. You've heard the term informational interviewing, but it's very specific to talking to people that are doing things you're interested in, as you're curious about, as I call it, the human research portion of figuring out what you want to do, right? The human research. Uh, It's not about interviewing for the job. It's not about feeling obligated to people, please, and take a job with that company or whatever. It's about just getting the information. And then when you figure that out, you have People who are actually helping you and network networking with you and helping you move forward to pick the right training programs, pick the right uh, opportunities to look at and ways to get there, different opportunities and ways to get there. So. so,
0: you know, one of the things that comes up is, you know, late identified life for a lot of us, it's 30s, 40s, 50s. I even have had people in their seventies and eighties, <laughs> and you know, yes. my mom is eighty and she still works full time. She is a full time preschool director. I mean, she oh, that's awesome! I 80, love hearing 80. that. She she does not want to stop or slow down. I mean, that's she had, so great.
1: Yeah, I love that. I
0: mean, my mother had a heart a heart cath and had a stent put in, and two days later she's back because her preschoolers are important to her.
1: It shows you when you love what you do that you retire. What the hell's that? I I don't even know why I have to retire because this is something I actually enjoy. So I would do it as like a hobby. Even sometimes your work can be actually be your hobby or learning about your work or expanding into different aspects of your work. That's how it is for me. And that's why I'm still, I could have retired. I don't want to retire.
0: I love that you say expanding into different aspects of your work, because I think that's part of the evolution of us as individuals. You know, when we were Mm -hmm. talking about Hal's wonderful art uh, post that came out and it was imagine if, and Mm -hmm. I said, Hal, I'm going to flip this a little bit. I'm going to pull a Scott Fraser and I'm going to flip the script just a little bit. And I'm going to say, imagine when, imagine when this is happening. Imagine when this is is taking effect. And I think when we've been in a career for a while, there's different nuanced elements to it. And there's also a development of ourselves, that personal development aspect. And we have gained clarity, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that you say also looking at
1: different aspects. I call it the branches of the tree. Like, you know, I've talked to a lot of podcasters and I go, look at what you're doing now. There's psychologists there, and I talked to a film and industry, uh, a, a film industry person who is a podcaster. You know, I mean, going into different aspects, being drawn towards those things to want to do them and have fun at them, as another branch of your foundation. Right. My foundation is education, so I will always be an educator on some level. And I found so many different ways to keep my interest and to do the do the aspects of, of what I do in different ways and explore it. Uh, and whenever I feel that that urge, it's like, I don't know about you, but with ADHD, we tend to, to have these ideas pop on our head every now and then. No, I don't know anything <laughs> about that at no, all. Nobody ever.
0: knows about that. Right. Well, and oh, you forgot the caveat of like, there's 20,000 of those ideas.
1: 20,000. Yes, 20, but for me, when whenever I've been ready to move into a new situation, it's, it's like this instantaneous thing that pops up and it sticks. It's like, you know how you throw spaghetti on the wall. This is the one that sticks, right? And right. it something keeps drilling at me to keep, you know, moving in that direction and moving in that direction. And, uh, what needing, and for me, a lot of it is based on, I got it. I have this purpose in my life and I have this mission to get the word out. How do I get it out better? What, what's the next thing I can do to get that word out or get that information out to people. And when you're in the right work, there's some, there's some aspect of that for you may, it may look, and and feel a little bit differently than the way i'm describing it but it's the same idea that you're just going to be moving and you know creating different branches of the tree and leaves that come off the gr- branches right so oh, things does. that grow on the br- <laughs> other things <laughs> all the fruit yeah. oh the
0: goodness i love the analogy because we could really just go crazy with it yeah especially that's my with our brain <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny in my work I, I think in metaphors which i think a lot of us do And I kept saying things like the cream rising to the top and the tree trunk is your fan. Finally, I I have uh, uh, an ex-client that I worked with many years ago. Who's like a brilliant uh, graphic artist who works on Canva and anyone Lynn who just popped in was in the class. (laughs) She knows what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah. And she, she did whenever I would have this metaphor in my head, I would say, can you, I kind of draw it out and I say, can you put this like on paper and make it look like something that makes sense? And she would always do these brilliant graphics. So it's so nice to have somebody that I can say, I have this idea about how I want to communicate something and she can put it on paper and make it look amazing.
0: Oh, that is beautiful. So Michelle, I love that we're kind of bringing the conversation here because as we kind of start to unpick and we're looking at Okay, what are some of the challenges? What are some maybe the questions, the place where we might be starting in this? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I wanna stay here. I'm not sure if it's just elements of alignment or if it's just me staying in this career, but branching out to different areas of it. I also Mm -hmm. want you to talk about the elements that make up ideal work is ADHDers Mm -hmm. and autistics. What are those elements to ideal work? So we have some idea of where we're headed.
1: So while well, you're speaking my language, of course, that's what I, that's everything, right? The different elements that make up your ideal work. Uh, as Richard Bowles, who wrote What Color Is Your Parachute? And I use the parachute model. And this this was his brilliant uh, process that I've adopted for people with ADHD. Um, the first one are the skills that you want to be using, your preferred skills. And there's a whole process around that. The, the characteristics, not the names of people, <laughs> but the characteristics of people that you want to be working with. Um, the working conditions. We talked a little bit about that, and that gets very much into detail into creating your self accommodation plan. With your uh, what what's the profile sensory profile that would be included in that? Okay. And then uh, the fields and industries and special knowledges that you've learned, things that you're attracted to, classes that you've taken, things that you've always thought about but maybe put on the back burner. But now they're popping up again. They're coming to life one more time. Um, So those special knowledges and industries. uh, So looking at the kinds of industries that you're attracted to, curious about. So always remember, curiosity is a big part of it. It is not, you don't have to marry yourself to any of it. You just need to be curious. Like, what do I want to know more about? What is it that keeps coming up? But I've stopped myself over and over again from exploring it because I thought, hell, I can't make any money at this. Or what would so-and-so think? Or, you know, if I do this, how's it going to change my life? I'm going to have to uh, I can't live here anymore. I've got it. You know, all these things are, how is it going to show up in my relationship with my partner? Exactly. That's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, and that's why when I, I do, when I work with people, I put them in what's called the uh, career bubble and I tell them you're not to speak to anybody about what you're coming up with. This is your I love private that, because people can be really judgy. You have to give yourself a break from all of that. Um, and it's not that it, it, the voices, are, all that stuff's still going to come in your head. It's not going to go away. But at least you won't have the eyes rolling. You won't have somebody saying, yes, but honey, have you ever thought about doing blah, 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 blah? Or I know somebody I can refer you to that, da, 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 you know, all these things. That's that, exhausting. It's exhausting and it doesn't work and it stops you in your, tra- it can stop you in your track, especially because we're people pleasers. lot of us it really kind of burns that yeah bridge
0: of possibility and as as Robin Sharma calls it being a possibilitarian I think it almost just like throws the water on the fire of your possibilitarian experience. Right. Possibilitarian
1: yes you want to expand your possibilities uh and bring on the possibilitarian I guess grow your inner possibility. I don't know. I'll have to come up with a good one for that, but I like that. That's a good one.
0: Robin Sharma. That's his word. And I just love it.
1: It's good. It's good. Yeah. So it just you know, putting, having the career bubble kind of like being in this little, uh, space where you're just working with other people going through the same process and you're all like safe with each other because, you're speaking the same language now and you're, you're exploring the same kinds of things. Um, and that's, that will help to some degree. It doesn't help throughout the whole, you know, forever because it's always, you're always going to have to deal with your spouse or your, if, if they are threatened in any way by way you're coming up with, like, oh my gosh, they're having all those thoughts about how are you going to make money at this? How are we going to do this? Blah, blah, blah. That's going to, um, you know, and that that whole uh, ability to just research and, and be expansive about considering, you know, expanding on the ideas that you're coming up with, you have to have room to just have every kind of explore every single thing that you've ever thought about from the time you were a little kid. You actually See, and have to. This is have what have I room. love about
0: you, Shell, because you bring in this element of play and discovery. It really is. It's play. And I think that also kind of goes back to your roots of entrepreneurial (laughs) creativity, you know, because that's part of your background. Yeah, it's it's play, isn't it?
1: It is play. um, To some extent. Yeah. I mean, when you're thinking about this stuff, you really do have to think about the things you enjoyed playing when you were a kid. The things that you were attract, I always say attracted to, because you know, our brains, we got to be attracted to that thing. There has to be some kind of a magnet pulling us in that direction, right? It is it, it definitely. To, it has to be You better there. spark me. Yeah, you got <laughs> to spark. Yeah. And I think, you know, we try always, so many of us have tried to cram ourselves, you know, a square peg in a round hole kind of thing. And it never works. It might work for a while, even a few years, but then it's not going to anymore. It's going to stop no, working. Because it creates what I what
0: I call the integrity gap when yeah. who we know ourselves to be internally is not who we are being on the outside and how we are living and the right. actions that we're taking and the wider that integrity gap between who we know ourselves to be and actually how we're showing up in the world,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: integrity gap, not a lack of integrity, but the, the gap between living your authentic life is really big. And for a lot of us in late identified life, Mm -hmm. if we've masked or camouflaged to the, you know, masking to the professional level of camouflaging, as I call it, that's a big part of this discovery that you're talking about when we're looking at our career is getting down to really what, who am I and allowing space to maybe
1: allow it for the first time in your life. And it's not an easy place to be, I mean, because of all the barriers we've had, you know, pa- barriers that you continue to have if you're going to a job you don't like every single day, you have that more and more layers of barriers of um, uh, limitations, you know, feeling limited and like you can't do it. And if you're, if you have an over analyzing, if you tend to over analyze or analyze a lot, I'm not going to, I'm not, um, uh, trying to say people that an- are analytical are ne- that's a negative thing characteristic it's just that in this process it can it can hinder you because i what i find are uh, people when they tend to analyze and analyze that prevents them from taking the steps they need to take very often and- uh
0: what i hear you saying is if you are staying safe by choosing to stay in the thought loop, Yes. Without choosing a direction and taking action or. And just
1: being curious, allowing for that curiosity, allowing yourself to talk to people and to do a little bit of research, just do a Google search, you know, talk to somebody in an organization uh, who like an organization of people that you're thinking, well, maybe it'd be cool to consider this. Right. Um. Anyway, there's there's so many ways to go about it that we stop ourselves from doing because we start thinking it's not gonna, it's not possible. We cut ourselves off from the possibilities. I can't say that enough. Bowles calls that the safekeeping self. And we talk about we use that term, the safekeeping self, a lot in the work that I do. And I try and ask people, and this is for your audience as well, to start noticing when you're when you might be doing that the first time you notice that the little safekeeping ghoul is sitting on your shoulder. That's what I call it. I always see it as this like ugly little thing kind of peeking in the door, um, ready to stop you from wherever you want to go. But whenever it's, it's there, the first time is that recognition. It really is the it's, it's a big leap from just, blindly thinking you can't do something or it's not possible to oh okay maybe I'm the one who's stopping myself from doing this yeah
0: yeah that's a that's a big one that's when I had to really work
1: I do too we all do nice listen it's it's common it's not something if everybody has has some form of it in some aspect of our lives, right? When it comes to career though, it can really be a hindrance uh, for people who are just staying safe in situations that are not, they're safe for a while until they're not. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: that's really the thing. It's like, but are you really safe?
1: You're not really safe. Uh,
0: You're just avoiding being uncomfortable in change. Yes. Sometimes that's the big thing. And that's kind of a hard one for those of us who are also autistic. Cause you know, (laughs) I was talking to my friend yesterday and she and I were doing some body doubling and uh, cause we both had some pretty significant lists of things that we wanted to accomplish. And we said, let's just body double (laughs) for about 90 minutes. And we were talking about that and she goes, cause she's just ADHD and I'm ADHD and autistic. She goes, Gina, is there like a war that goes on in your head between like the things that you want to like go and do as the ADHD and then like the structure and, and, staying, you know, in routine as the autistic person. I'm like, heck yes. Yeah. And I think that also comes into when we're thinking about and planning career changes or, or any type of change in our life. It's, we also have to look at what is our wiring? What is our natural default for something so that we're feeling comfortable. It's also was it meeting our need for how we process information? Yeah, and I love that you also approach the career planning from a neuroinclusive perspective. It's not yes. just like everybody processes career this way. What are some yeah. of the elements that you have seen or that you bring in in how people process and go through this journey? Uh, career.
1: It's, it's different for everybody, like you said. Everybody has their um, different ways of processing information. Uh, generally, people will tell me, and I try and I do the best I can uh, to accommodate. Sometimes it doesn't work out so well. Sometimes it does. Um, mostly it does, I think, because if, as long as we're communicating, I think it's the communication that's really important. Um, being able to just come out and say, look, I, I need to take a break or I need to... Uh, give myself some space to think about this, or I have to do this incrementally, which I think is true for pretty much everyone. Uh, And that's why I like to use the term curiosity because you're not married to any one thing. You are just curious. Uh, Like would this, you know, I'm kind of, this kind of is interesting to me and it's, you know what? It's been interesting to me from the time I was a little kid maybe it's time to start exploring it a little bit or find ways that I can bring it into the work, somehow bring aspects of it into the work I'm doing, or maybe branch off into some aspect of it. You know, it's like shut, you don't have to shut the door on everything that you're attracted to, you know, or things that you think are not going to work for you. You don't have to just shut the door because it's not quote unquote realistic. Um, you have to create it. You have to define it. You have to be able to explore it and, uh, you know, w- in whatever way works for you. So I'm not as well versed on the uh, pro- processing profile. What is it called? The, is it the processing profile or the, how did you say it?
0: We we talk about different processing speeds and needs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really think that there is a way that you can do all this work and do it with in a way that works for you. You have to do it in a way that works for you. I like to take everything into consideration. Uh, And when I'm presenting information to people, I do take the ADHD mind. So I come from the ADHD perspective of graphically presenting things as much as possible with content, breaking things down as much as possible um, and doing things very step by step, but having a structure. That's why this process works so well for people is because it allows you to be creative within that structure. Right?
0: So here's my question. Cause I had a, I had a client we, I was telling her that we were coming on here and, and they were really curious. And they said, how do I just like not blow up everything that I've built, but I want to explore different avenues without quitting my job that I have. But I am putting every bit of energy that I have into the job currently that I don't feel like I have space to even mentally or emotionally start to look at possibilities. How do we start to navigate
1: this in ways that feel manageable, Shell? Well, you have to know what you want first. And how do we do that? Well, you have to, I hate to say it, go through the process. It's a new kind of thing. What's the
0: first step in the process? Would you say where? Where, where do you take people? What's your first step?
1: Oh, I have them. Well, I have them write story. They have to, you know, they write stories about positive experiences. Mm-hmm. And writing the stories, that part of the process is writing seven stories, and each one of the stories is something that they experienced in a positive way, even though it may have been a challenge. The 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 whole um experience of it was uplifting in some way Uh, they benefited from it they learned something or they just simply enjoyed it right so writing those kinds of stories and then uh extracting the skills that you used in those stories very empowering Very amazing. Oh
0: man, I'm like getting the tingly excitement over here thinking about this. Like I I can't wait to go back in and dig into my own stories for this. So, Shell, you and I had a conversation and you brought up something I thought was really interesting. And you were Mm -hmm. talking about purpose-driven people. And you were telling me that it's usually around the age 39 that you see people are really having this moment of like. I don't know if this is the right career for me. And you're yeah. starting to see some of this earlier and earlier in these awareness reflections. What are yeah. purpose-driven people? What are some of these things that maybe might be hitting some of our listeners and watchers today?
1: There it's just realizing that it's uh, work is not just about uh what you can do and what you're you've got maybe the ability to do. Um, it really is about what is important to you, what is Uh, The purpose beyond it, and people start realizing that they can go to their job every day and realize what is this doing for the world? You know, how am I making a difference? How am I personally making a difference in this work? I mean, and it could be very like the culture of it. it, everything could be like right on purposeful. But if you don't feel like you're making a contribution individually uh, because you're not and very often that happens when you're in the wrong work even if it's a great company and it's got all the, they say all the right thing, the right mission, all that, that that's not the point. The point is it has to be satisfying for you and fulfilling for you. And that means that you feel like it's, it's not just about money. It's about making a contribution on some level. So that, that has to be there. We spend too many hours a day in those jobs day in and day out. Right. And it, you've got to have, a reason to be there something that's at some point. And I think that is happening much earlier than 39. That was when I first started doing this work. That was the average age. But now it's like even the the Zoomer generation, I'm seeing it. Um, and because a lot of the parents, you know, the parents are sort of, uh, I get calls from parents all the time to help their kids, their adult children, right? Because they they know what it's like to go through that and they see, their their uh, adult children kind of going through the same process and now it's like they want to stop it kind of cut it off at the pass so they can really live a full life in a career that they love or one that they really are f- find fulfilling over a long period of time and sustainable sustainably fulfilling oh i love that sustainably fulfilling yeah. so shell as we're wrapping up talk to me about Compelling vision. Compelling vision. Okay. Well, I have people do this exercise at the end after they've completed everything, and now they can they can actually start to visualize in real, like in uh, first person, real time. I am now doing these things with my fa- my time is this way. Uh, every day I get up and I. It, we do these things or I do these things. I, in the work I'm planning this. Uh, So you, it's like having a real time vision of what your life looks like once you're kind of on that track of doing the work that you're supposed to be doing. And that includes your family. That includes your friends. That includes your life outside your work, of course, that now you have time to do certain things. For example, like you can spend time working on, Uh, maybe interests, avocational kinds of interests that you have, or you're doing volunteer work, or you're doing whatever. You see like a full life. It's more the bigger picture of everything. So, and, you know, I've had people write compelling visions that blew me away. One of them should be a novel. I remember it was, uh, (laughs) see, how do I put it? He was um, working in a bank, in a credit union, And pretty severe ADHD in terms of uh, just, I don't know, like me. I see him more like I I put myself in that category so I could relate to where he was at. And he was miserable, obviously. And he was on the verge of getting fired because he was making all these mistakes. And he was brilliant. I mean, it has nothing to do with intelligence, all right? Has nothing to do with ability. Our brains, if we're not doing the work that we enjoy or are attracted to, we are going to make mistakes at some point. Things are going to happen. Yeah, I because we'll disengage. He exactly, and you know they called him on the carpet a few times. But as he went through this process, he realized that he was he was a historian, and he he wanted to take people on adventures uh, and uh, travel adventures, and he wrote his compelling vision in such a way that he described what it would be like to take people to different like dig sites or places where they were experiencing different things. And in such great detail, it was almost breathtaking. Really. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. I want to
0: go already. Just hearing
1: you tell about it. <laughs> Can you imagine being led by some, somebody who has, who's that passionate about it? yes that was that yes. was I mean he went from being like a, working in a credit union and some horrible job for him to this big vision for himself that was something completely different and um and did the play and possibilities get him there um and the safety to play in a bubble he had to yeah I think he had some personal like, uh, issues to deal with uh, along the way, but he was exploring it. He was at least in that exploration process. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you're not going to. It sometimes it's incremental, right? It's incremental. So
0: definitely, because, you know, we get we can only envision just so far when we stretch so we can have our compelling vision. And, you know, you all of you guys out there that are unveilers, you know, we're talking about like this is very similar to our our thrive destination statement where we we dream and craft and create what our life is and who's in it and what it looks like in the day. And I love that you were talking about that, you know. You create and help create this compelling vision, this thrive destination statement, where we can get real granular and we can dream without limits. Yeah, because and really, the only limits we have are the ones we put on ourselves.
1: Yes, and the thing that's really, when I first learned how to do the process of compelling vision, it was presented as the first thing that we did, instead of the last thing that we did, which made no sense to me because there were people who didn't agree. have a clue. <laughs> I was they like, didn't have, have the parts
0: to create it. You hadn't you, even found
1: the parts yet. You ha- yeah, you have to start building that foundation a little bit of what you want. And then you can take off and have this real vision of you know, where you see yourself ultimately and it makes it much more compelling and something that can is possible that can actually be done or have some possibility of actually happening right? Uh,
0: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Shell, you have been a wealth of information and insights today. And I love, love, love what you're doing in the world. So let's share where people can get in touch with you. Let's tell them about (laughs) creating your smile file.
1: So this is something one of those things that came to me, you know, like a million ideas that the term smile file just came up and how do you create it was like, it just popped out and I put it together. And this is an example of this brilliant graphics person, Katrina, Katrina, you're not listening, but hopefully you will listen. Uh, She's helping me with the book. She's doing all the graphics for the book, the whole thing. Uh, Anyway, this is an example of, of how that looks when you kind of download the whole thing. So you can go to the website at uh, careercoachingwithshell.com and scroll down and sign up for the smile file. I have people signing up every day for the smile file and now get what started get
0: in the smile file.
1: Well, it's a way for you to start identifying things that literally, it's just like it says, it makes you smile, things that make you smile. And they don't have to have anything to do with career at all. They can just be like, what is it that makes me smile? Take pictures of it, put it, Find a receptacle you want, use your uh, a file on your phone, whatever you want to, however you want to store it, the information. Uh, pictures are always good, you know, oh, something that you can me. access. And then you start to see a pattern. You start to see things kind of repeat themselves. And it's the, the kind of the first step in, in getting a little bit of clarity, clarity about a direction that you may find interesting and be curious about.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. And you have something really phenomenal coming up in December. And I have been so blessed to be able to have a conversation with you. And you have shared a little deeper insight into your new book coming out in December. Can you tell us
1: just a little bit about
0: this? Oh, Unlock it, your career. Oh, my gosh. There sure it is. So
1: good. <laughs> yes, this is a course for ADHD adults and teens. I want to include teens because teens can, you know, very use this they have actually they're the ones that need it before they make decisions about college before they make decisions about anything and certainly for adults before they make decisions about any taking any direction at all spending any money on uh you know classes shiny object classes you know what i'm talking about oh i i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) before you spend another dime so what it is it's going to be literally my class kind of in a book uh and it's everything that i have in the class is actually there compiled in the book and it's step by step and it's graph every page is graphic um and so there's how many years 35 years of putting info together and just putting it into some kind of readable format and workable format. It's you see how it's spiral bound, it's spiral bound. So you can lay it flat and you can write in it.
0: Yes, I love all the accessibility features. That was one of the things that we talked about that I love, because you've got lots of visuals in here, lots of graphics.
1: And it's not easy to find printers who do this. I mean, Amazon does not print spiral bound. (laughs) Trust so, yeah. me,
0: I know as the um, founder of Hyperlexic Publishing, this is definitely one of the things that, that we had to put together as well. So guys, be sure you go and connect yeah. with Shell. Go get your smile file. Start yeah. with the fun things and that first step. And well, when you do that, sure you'll be
1: you'll be on the list for when the book actually is launched to know when that is.
0: Fantastic. Well, Shell, thank you so much for being with us today. And I've got a few more announcements and things to share with you guys as we close up our episode today. If you are in burnout or suspect that you're in burnout and you need to figure out what degree of burnout you're in, take my spicy pepper quiz. It's going to help you identify from a poblano pepper level one all the way up to the ghost pepper level five where you might be so hot you're not. Go take that quiz. Find out what degree and what level of spicy pepper burnout that you might be in because I have something to help you. This week on Thursday and Friday, if once you take the quiz, you automatically can access signing up for either Thursday or Friday where you can come join me live to build your spicy pepper dashboard for restoration. There's limited seats. I'm going to be taking you through the process because I have a strategic plan on how each spicy pepper level gets out of burnout. This has been my life's work over the last decade, and I have put everything together to help you begin your restoration journey, to get out of burnout, and to stay off that chronic cycle burnout loop for good. Next week, join me on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for an incredible conversation with Dr. Jordan Carmack, Dr. Scott Freisart, and Dr. Allie Arena. We are going to be talking all things using AI, artificial intelligence, in job applications, leadership, and communication for ADHD Autistics. We have got a great conversation. The three of us have been working on this all summer and we have some really interesting things that we have discovered. And we're gonna be diving into that applicant tracking system that's being used. And we're gonna look at what can we do to optimize our applications and resumes? Because like we talked about with Shell today, 70% of folks are looking to change a job right now. How might AI be helping to do this for us? We are so excited to have you here each and every week. And as we wrap up this episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout, I want to remind you of your incredible brilliance. Embrace your uniqueness and know that your journey is one of strength and resilience. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Stay connected with me for more empowering episodes, and let's continue to thrive together. Remember, you have the power to break free from burnout and unleash your authentic self. Until our next empowering conversation, take care and keep shining brightly. Be energized together. Bye-bye, guys.